My dearest Dorothy, it has been over a week since I last heard from you. I wonder if the post is being slow and you, like me, have gotten into the habit of writing on the same day each week. I awaited your letter, and I feel it is coming soon, however, I don't know, Dottie. I worry ever so that you have become so engulfed in your work that you have forgotten to write. Not that you have forgotten about me, I know that you will never forget your Lucy. I just worry you put the letter aside until you finish that new book that led to another, which led to another and another. I know what you're like, Dorothy. <laughs> Do not pretend you wouldn't. But hopefully, if this next letter arrives to you, then you will remember to write this time. I do so miss hearing from you. Thursdays feel like the day I write to you now, and so here I sit, to write. I will most probably write you another letter when yours finally comes, but for now, I will tell you what has been happening with me recently. For you see, Dottie, it is rather a lot. I mentioned, in the postscript of my last letter, that I had been approached by another man at the market. Apparently, word of my ability to fix things and fix the unfixable got around, and his employer was looking for someone like me. So now, Dot, I have a full-time job, and a job on the side. I'll tell you now, Dotty. If I knew men had it this easy, I would have pretended to be one years ago. It certainly opens up some real opportunities for you. Johan passed me a gun in the market the day after I sent my letter. A shotgun like the one's father used to fire on hunts. He said it was broken and asked if I could fix it. I remembered a few things from father's gun, took it apart, studied it, and bent a pin back into place. He took it for an hour or so and came back with a pistol. That one was just a case of cleaning off some of the grime, but Johan was just as amazed. He asked me if I could fix anything, and I told him, give me enough time and I can. He nodded, passed me ten dollars, and told me he would be back in touch. The next day I met with him, at a club in town called the Tantalus. <laughs> I'll tell you now, Dottie, that place was... eye-opening. A part of me knows that places like that must exist back home, but I certainly have never been inside. The girls were all beautiful, dressed in silks and gold and feathers. One came to sit at our table during the meeting, and the men were leering over her, but it looked like she liked it. She certainly liked the money that they were tucking into her garter. I smiled at her, and she gave me a smile right back. I met Johan's boss. He told me he would hire me as a trial period, that it wasn't set in stone that I would be joining the company. They would need to see if I could really fix things the way the rumours said I could, and I shouldn't get too comfortable because I wasn't in yet. I would never admit it to them, but I know I could tell you anything. I was worried. Worried that they would just take my work and brush me off that I would never really earn the money that I needed to bring you here. And then they arrived, dressed in a sharp suit and flopped down at the table like they owned the place and looked over at me. 
It felt like they were looking right into my soul, that they knew all of my secrets and all of my thoughts. It felt like they stared for hours, before they grinned, wide and toothy, and spoke. Oh, this the kid who can fix anything? They asked, and I will tell you, Dotty, every man stopped in their tracks. Whoever this new person was, they held a captivating power over the whole table. Even the girl that sat with us beamed, leaning forward towards them in a way that indicated fondness. Not just for the money they carried, but a genuine fondness. Johan nodded, introduced me by name, and was about to say something else when the person in front of us waved him off and pulled out a hip flask. One of those posh ones with the filigree that Ray carries around to show off to the girls. But something told me that whoever this was, they weren't just using it to show off. Welcome to the family, kid. But they grinned, taking a swig from their flask before passing it over to me. You couldn't have had better timing. And Dorothy. I felt like I was making a deal with the devil when that scotch touched my lips. But nothing will ever beat the adrenaline and the excitement and the sense of belonging that I felt in that moment. I remember that old tale of Dorian Gray and suddenly his decisions made sense. Maybe the devil gets a bad rap after all. We spent the rest of the night talking. It ended up just being me, the dancer, her name was Jenny, turns out. She's very sweet. Mickey called her a peach. And Mickey O'Shea. They asked me about life back home, if I had anyone waiting for me. And I told them about the wonderful, smart and beautiful girl who I was going to bring here someday. They asked if I needed anything, and I asked for some working guns I could take apart to learn more about how they worked and they gave me an address to a warehouse out the east end of the city. I went there the next day, Dot, and it is heaven. It isn't just a warehouse, but a full workshop. Mickey said I could have whole run of the place if I wanted to. As long as I fix all of the broken things they bring me, then I can fix anything else I want after I'm done. You heard that right, Dotty. I have my very own workshop. My dream ever since I was just a little girl. I have done a couple of days there already. I can sit down and tinker and fix and zone out. Even managed to fix up an old radio unit, which was a fun challenge. Those things are much more electrical than they are mechanical. But I took it real slow, like I did when I was very first learning to take apart engines. And I got it working. Mickey left me a bottle of Irish whiskey for that one. It must have been important. There's another man who works here occasionally. Goes by Herschel. He brings me coffee from Winston's place down the street, although his is always thick and too burnt for my tongue. The more I drink, the more I get used to it, and it sure does wake me up. Which, I am guessing, is how Winston is still in business. He talks to me a lot as I work, and doesn't seem to mind when I zone out and have to ask him to repeat. Mostly about his niece, 
cute little thing she is. He always shows me pictures. He treats her like a daughter, spoils her rotten too. The amount of times he sits down next to me and tinkers with a broken trinket to give to her. I have a feeling she's getting more of them, now that I'm here to correct him. He thanks me every time, and pays me in bagels that I'm sure he gets for free from his brother's bakery. Not that I'm complaining. They're incredibly good bagels. Which brings me up to today. Herschel was supposed to be going with Johan and a couple of other members of the company to go and meet with some potential clients. I have been trying to teach him how to use the radio, but boy is he clunky with it. Keeps accidentally hanging up or switching frequency. A part of me thought that he really couldn't be this inept at it, and then today he brought me a proper lunch from this little deli down the street, and I realised why. It's his niece's birthday next week, the day after he's supposed to go on the job. He wants the night off so he can be more awake. He explained to me that all I would need to do is follow Johan and the boys and feed back to Mickey. Apparently they're busy babysitting some detective and a librarian. I don't quite understand what he means. He gave me a gun, in case I needed it, but assured me that it would be a quick in and out and I probably wouldn't need to use it. I know you're worried about me, Dottie, but I will be in and out before I next hear from you. Plus, I'm sure if I do this, then Mickey will be impressed and maybe they'll give me more work than before. Promise to write, as soon as you read this, forever and always, your Lucy. Lucy, stop. Do not go to the elephant's heart. Stop. Danger. Stop. 